Yeah, that's right. No, uh, no intro today. No uh, getting hyped up and excited for today's show. Just feels like uh, we don't we don't deserve to have that intro today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Monday, September sixteenth, twenty nineteen. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about, and honestly, there isn't enough time to do it. Uh, not enough time today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, I could do 17 shows this week, uh, about what happened Saturday at Spartan Stadium. So we're going to try to be quick, try to be concise, expedite the process and get through as much of this as we can. Today, I'm going to talk about, you know, the game, um, specifically just some general thoughts, uh, coaching decisions, uh, things that I thought could have been handled differently. Uh, I have some numbers for you as well, because, uh, I want to start the process of healing, start the process of talking Michigan state fans back off the ledge, uh, give some perspective on this game and, specifically how it compares to some of the stuff that happened in 2018 uh, and just how it's wildly different. I'm going to do that. And then segment three today, I've got a few voicemails that uh, you guys, a few of you left for me, uh, and I want to play them and give some thoughts on those questions, those takes, uh, and what have you. So that's the plan for today's show. We are going to get right into it. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And we do the show every single day, five days a week as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, let's uh, jump into it. Okay, so I wrote in my gamer after the uh, the debacle against Arizona State that this is one of, if not the most Disappointing losses in the entire Mark D'Antonio era, and I don't think that's hyperbole. Given the team that they have, the season they had last year, the expectations, the excitement around the program, especially coming off the Western Michigan game, uh, the opponent, the location of the game, the timing of the game, and how it all played out... um, it's tough to think of a game off the top of my head that is more disappointing than this one. And gosh, there are so many reasons Michigan State lost to Arizona State, a team that they should have beat pretty handedly. Um, I think the first place to start is there were just an uncharacteristic amount of completely head-scratching coaching decisions. Um, It's tough to, I think, really differentiate when a coach has a bad game versus a good game. Some of the stuff is in the minutia. Some of it gets lost on us because, like, I know a decent amount of football. Some of you guys know a decent amount of football, but we just don't always know a ton to know why a play worked, didn't work, whether it was a good call, bad call using a timeout here, calling this type of play, calling this type of defense. You know, I think it's kind of rare to really get moments where you're like, wow, even I, a simpleton, know that that was a really bad decision. That was not how that was supposed to go. 
And for someone like Mark D'Antonio, I feel like those moments have been there, but not defining in any sort of way. I wouldn't consider Mark D'Antonio a bad game day coach. Uh, Kind of the opposite. They've always, under him, found ways to win games they shouldn't win. You know, kind of pull victory from the jaws of defeat. And in this game, there were a number of blatant and obvious coaching decisions that were just flat bad. And that is really disappointing. It is inexcusable for the fire drill situation. The field goal is absolutely, that is high school level stuff. You practice it at the end of practice all the time. It's not hard to get right. The substitutions have to be better than that. You absolutely have to know when the quarterback spikes the ball, it's fourth or it's not fourth down, it's second and whatever. We've got 11 seconds left. Are we going to a shot? Are we kicking a field goal? You can't spend 10 seconds making the decision, make a decision, then spend 10 seconds setting up for the decision, then change your mind. That's how you end up with 12 men on the field in a situation because you don't, you know, normally holder's job, count the numbers, count the guys. Uh, But when he runs out there and there's five seconds left, he doesn't have time to count the guys. If he runs out there with 25, he counts 12, yells at somebody to get off. Um, That was completely and utterly mishandled. Rewind to the uh, middle of that drive. Michigan State is starting to move the ball a little bit. Brian Lewerke scrambles for a first down. The clock stops. Michigan State is out of timeouts. And instead of keeping the personnel running through with what they had, they sub out Eli Collins for Connor Hayward. That means, by rule, Arizona State has to have an opportunity to substitute. That kills five or six seconds off the clock before Michigan State can snap it after the clock is restarted. That costs crucial time. That looks a lot different if there are 17 seconds left when Lurkey spikes it, 16 seconds left. Uh, they're for sure taking a shot to the end zone there, and there's no confusion about it. Rewind a few more minutes. When Arizona State is facing fourth and 13 with a true freshman quarterback, game on the line, Michigan State does not spy the mobile quarterback. They run what essentially amounts to a Hail Mary defense. They rush three. They dropped eight. Uh, When Jaden Daniels decided to run, there was nobody even at the first down sticks. Everyone was beyond the first down sticks. They didn't stop the first down. They stopped for a a touchdown. They flooded the end zone with defenders. Uh, Nobody was spying the quarterback. They could have run any number of defenses that would have just by the nature of the the formation and, and how you play it would have put eyes on the quarterback and they didn't. They dropped eight. The nearest person was 20 yards away when he started his scramble. That is a very bad defensive call. Fast forward or rewind a couple more minutes. Michigan State uses back-to-back timeouts on this 4th and 13 play to set up a rush three drop eight coverage, a Hail Mary defense from 4th and 13 from their own 17-yard line. They use two timeouts back-to-back. They don't conserve one for a potential drive. They use them back-to-back playing this mind game to try to get set up in the right defense. 
and they don't get set up in the right defense. You waste two timeouts that would have been massive on that offensive drive. Michigan State could have potentially scored a touchdown with two timeouts. They would have easily gotten a field goal with one timeout. Instead, you use two timeouts. You put all your eggs in the basket of a single play. You don't defend it properly. You don't even set up your players to defend it properly. And what would have been an eke out of a win, a game that should have, could have gone a million different ways, a game that everything seemed to just keep stacking up against your team, and yet you come through in the huge spot at the end of the game, take the lead, instead of getting that win, five consecutive terrible coaching decisions result in a loss that never should have happened. And on a night when Mark D'Antonio was to be crowned the most winningest coach in the history of Michigan State football, he turned in one of his worst head coaching performances, one of his worst game management performances. And there's no other way to say it. The end of that game was an absolute debacle, a disaster. It's inexcusable for a coach and a staff that is that seasoned, that experienced, has 109 wins over 13 seasons. For them to make high school level coach mistakes, that can't happen. It absolutely cannot happen. And I'm surprised it happened. I'm disappointed it happened. And I'm frustrated that it happened. And I don't blame you for being incredibly frustrated with how that game played out. Cannot happen. Cannot happen again. Mark D'Antonio has to be better. He has to look in the mirror and be 10 times better than he was at the end of that game. Okay, so that is out of the way. It needed to be said. Um, with that said, there are a number of other things that cost this game long before that even happened. That was a situation that Michigan State never should have been in, and I want to go through some of those things here in just a minute. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. Let me turn on the charm for the ad read. Love the sponsors. We love Vivid Seats. You love Vivid Seats. Michigan State's on the road, perhaps thankfully this week, but they will be back soon for a homecoming game against Indiana. And if you want to get there, if you want to get to Spartan Stadium and check them out, you need to get to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the specific section and row of your choice, all in the easy to use Vivid, all in the easy to use Vivid Seats app. Try to say nine words in one second there. It doesn't work out. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty reward program that allows you, the fan, to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and you'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. And of course, with Vivid Seats, every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Okay, so I want to preface all this by saying uh, I got a bunch of stuff coming up this week at Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com if you want to check it out. 
my film room piece. If it's not up already, it will be up very soon, depending on what time you listen to this show. Uh, and I just kind of go through what went wrong, some plays that actually worked, some really positive signs coming out of this game, because yes, there are some. Uh, and just a lot of what went wrong, where it went wrong, and a lot of execution errors, a lot of things that are, frankly, shouldn't be happening. Um, and I do want to dive into that a, a little bit because, gosh, since, I want to start this way, since 2017, the t- 2017 Cotton Bowl was the last time a team had 400 yards of offense and scored seven points. Michigan State had 404 yards of offense and 5.5 yards per play against Arizona State. And Arizona State has the number eight defense, according to SP+, which is uh, an efficiency metric that is adjusted for opponent and tempo. It's a really great measurement for the quality of a defense and a really great predictive measure of how the team is moving forward. You don't need to know all the intricacies of it. Just know the ranking. Arizona, number eight, elite defense, great defense. They might drop a little bit this season, but right now they are playing at an elite level and project to be an elite defense this season. Michigan State went for 5.5 yards per play, 404 total yards, and scored seven points. Let me throw a couple numbers at you. So 5.5 yards per play would rank, I think it's 54th in the country. So uh, 65-ish is, is average, 54th slightly above average. So a, five point, a game where you average 5.5 yards per play is slightly above average. Uh, when you have a slightly above average production in terms of yards per play against the number eight ranked defense in terms of efficiency, um, that's a pretty decent performance in terms of yard per play. And yards per play is a really good indicator of future success, a really good indicator of how a game is going to play out. You know, total yards can be misleading. Uh, scores can even be misleading. We know that. Um, yards per play is a pretty good measure, and it's a good way to look at how a team performs in a specific game against a team. Uh, and Michigan State was above average, metrically, above average against an elite defense. And that, to me, signifies a decent statistical performance. Now, seven yards against any defense is unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Uh, you can't miss kicks. You can't get stuffed on fourth and one on a bad play call. You can't get penalties that kill drives deep in your opponent's territory. Uh, and they did all of that. But I want to, I wanted to get that number out there just so you know that while it ended up as seven points, uh, it shouldn't have. Michigan State, this is, this is crazy. So yards per point is another stat, and it is exactly what it says. How many yards per point? What is you know, one point worth in college football, the median. So the very middle yards per point is about 15. I think it's just under 15. It's like 14.9 yards per point. So that's a pretty good measure of how many yards you get in a point, how many points each yard is worth. I'm hoping this makes sense. Basically a median performance of 15 yards per point put into Michigan's yardage total, Michigan State's yardage total, would have had them score 27 points that game. And that sounds about right, right? Doesn't it? 400 total yards, 27-ish points. That's kind of an appropriate sort of measurement. And, you know, one point per 15 yards kind of makes sense. You outgain a team 
by 150 yards, you, you beat them by 10, right? Is that making sense? I hope that's making sense. That is what a median game would have done. A middle-of-the-pack yards-per-point game for Michigan State would have netted them 27 points. Arizona State, I think, would have had like 13. So they just slightly underperformed. Michigan State missed their mark by 20 points. Michigan State's yards per point this game, remember, the median number, 15. The worst in the country is like 30. I don't even think it's that far. The worst in the country is like 30-something. Michigan State had 57 yards per point scored. 57 yards per point. Every 15 yards, you get a point. Unless you're Michigan State against Arizona State, then you need to get 57 yards to get a point. That is an insane statistical anomaly, is what it is. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And the path that Michigan State took to that night is the exact evidence you need of how unlikely that scenario is to play out again. If Michigan State and Arizona State play that literal exact same game with those exact same yardage per play numbers, if they play it a million times, the average score is 27 to 13 Michigan State. The average score, 27 to 13 Michigan State. Instead, you get 10 to 7 Arizona State, which is an extreme, extreme outlier in the negative towards Michigan State. Like they play that game 10 times. Michigan State wins nine of them. Most of those are pretty comfortable. A couple of them are close. Arizona State wins one, and it's exactly what we just saw. An 82% field goal kicker goes over. Matt Coglin doesn't miss from 30 ever. He misses from 31 this game after making from 26, but a delay of game moves that back. That's two unlikely things that happen right there. Then he misses from 47 twice. He usually makes one of two of those. Misses all three kicks. A guy who's perfect on the season misses all three kicks. Michigan State loses their starting left tackle, who's actually their third string left tackle. Michigan State, driving deep into Arizona territory, loses yardage on a second down play because their left guard gets hurt in the middle of the play and the guy goes around him for a sack that ends the drive. And no points. That that drive ended up the fourth down stop. When Luke Campbell got hurt, it was free, free play. Tweaked something in the middle. Like he engaged with the defender, took a step back. When his foot landed, it gave out, and he fell to the ground completely unblocked. Total fluke play. Kills the drive. Kills the scoring drive in Arizona State territory. Daryl Stewart drops a, a, a pass that would have sealed the game and the end of the game, the last drive. It's called on the field that it's good. It gets overturned. Barely, but he drops it. And it gets overturned. Kenny Willick strip sack. And they just happen to call Raekwon Williams for hands to the face in that exact play. That ends the game. Cody White's punt return. Down to the 35 of Arizona State. A phantom holding call moves Michigan State back to the 30-yard in their own territory. It's a 35-yard penalty that wasn't there. The leaping penalty at the end of the game. The fire drill. The, the disorganization that never happens. All the crazy, terrible coaching decisions that are not repeatable, that are complete outliers, all happened in a 10-minute f- span in real life and in a minute 30 of game time. Think of all the things that went wrong against Michigan State in that last minute 30. That is an insane amount of things. Some of it is certainly their fault. Some of it's not. And it all went against them. 
their kicker misses the kicks. All these different things. Guys getting hurt mid-play. Your starting left tackle, who's actually your third string tackle, getting hurt. Drops, uncharacteristic drops that would have set them up first and whatever from Arizona State's territory. Anytime Michigan State was about to score, something crazy happened. Whether it was self-inflicted, a bad call, something weird happened. So many things went wrong against Michigan State for that game to end up the way it did. Some of it, certainly execution, coaching decisions at the end of the game, way up there. Some questionable play calls, some questionable uh, personnel decisions. Certainly, those are there. Those happen every single game. What you don't get every single game is a massive wave of bad luck smashing you in the face. That turned a game that should have been a 14-point win for Michigan State. Statistically, should have been a 14-point win for Michigan State into a three-point loss. 17-point swing in terms of bad luck on calls, injuries, poor timing, unlikely misses from your kicker, and just a million different. There are so many things re-watching this game that is like, if one goes right, if two go right, they're fine. They win the game. But they all go wrong. Every single last one of them goes wrong. And it was just... When you play poorly, which they did, they did not play well. When you play poorly against a team that you should beat handedly, you leave yourself susceptible to the outliers. That's how luck works. Over time, it all evens out. Michigan State has been on the other side of these types of games. Just think of like 2015 Ohio State, a game they had no business winning, ended up winning for a million different crazy reasons that seemed to all go against Ohio State. Michigan State's been on the other side. And when you don't play well, against an inferior opponent, you leave yourself susceptible to bad luck. And they didn't play well. They didn't make good decisions. They left themselves open to bad luck, and it bit them directly on the ass. All right, I'm going to take some voicemails here, play some calls, and react to those. I actually listened to them. I was worried when I threw it out there, and I got some right away. I was like, uh-oh, somebody's going to light this thing up, but they're actually pretty good. So we'll play those here. In just a second, make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay, let's uh, let's play some voicemails here. We got the voicemail line 810-666-1031. If you ever want to leave a voicemail for the show, it goes directly to like a Google voice line. Just leave a voicemail. Future reference. Nobody left. I think one person left their name. Leave your name. If you want to say where you're from or, or whatever, do that. But leave your name so I know who's calling. Uh, otherwise, you're completely anonymous and I can't address you by your name or anything like that. I guess you can stay anonymous if you want, but I prefer if you leave your name. All right, let's play our first voicemail. Complete, unbelievable, disastering coaching for D'Antonio and his team. 12 men on the field at the end of the game. Unexcusable. Doesn't deserve to win and get that victory there. Just a joke. Yeah, you're not going to hear an argument from me on that one. Full disaster. Uh, Like I said earlier, one of, if not the most disappointing losses in the D'Antonio era, and one of, if not the worst game management head coaching jobs by him in his entire time here. All right, let's get to the next next, uh, voicemail. Well, it's uh, Michael from Stanford, Connecticut. It's lonely out here being a Spartan. And couldn't have been more lonely yesterday 
this is the most sad I think I've been since the John L years. And the funny thing about that was that was a time when being a Spartan meant that you were eternally hopeful <laughs> despite the fact that you didn't deserve it. What's so heartbreaking about this game is that on the stat lines, we should have won this game. And it was like a full moon. And D'Antonio is not wrong about it being poor officiating. But what's really alarming is just the coaching decision. I don't know who's deciding personnel, but anyone whose name doesn't end with Collins or Williams shouldn't be at running back, ever. And if you're that deep on tackles, why is Devontae Dobbs not getting a shot? You saw the explosiveness and creativity and speed of Julian Barnett, and you just got to wonder, at some point in time, if this offense is a maybe, why do you just not put the raw talent in there and say, let's see what happens? It's just the stubbornness. He didn't deserve to pass Duffy. Not yesterday. Thanks. I can't lie. That's like one of the saddest things ever. <laughs> Michael, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this team hurt you that way. And I'm so glad that there was a crying baby in the background of that because it just set the tone perfectly. Yeah, uh, I think that was a really, really good way to put it. That was not the game where D'Antonio deserved to become the most winningest coach in program history. Just wasn't. Just wasn't. When you coach that poorly in crucial situations, and D'Antonio admitted in a teleconference last night that he let some of that stuff get to him, some of the emotion of the game, some of the frustration with the officiating. He let some of that get to him in the late game decision-making, and that can't happen. And when it all plays out like that, yeah, that game doesn't deserve to go down in Michigan State football history. So, Michael, cheer up, buddy. It's going to be okay. We're going to all get through this together. And when you first said it was Michael from Sanford, Connecticut, I honestly thought it was an office joke. So thanks for uh, doing that for me. I appreciate it. All right, let's uh, get to one last voicemail here. And I enjoy the good betting advice you're going to get in this one. Yeah, hi, Will. Um, I just want to give the listeners a little bit of advice here to help deal with uh, Michigan State being terrible at football and that's to bet the over in every Western Michigan game for the remainder of the season. Okay, thanks. Bye. It's not a bad piece of advice, is it? Just bet the over, because that Western defense must be terrible. Actually, Western um, played, uh, who was it, Georgia Southern, I think. Whichever Georgia, I lose track. Whichever Georgia team went to Knoxville and beat Tennessee week one, Western beat them like 57 to 10 or, or something like that this week. So, I think, yeah, sure, bet the over with Western. They're going to score a crap ton of points, and maybe their defense isn't so great. But I'm going to well actually that joke. I think Michigan State, um, you know, that the performance against Western, I think is going to be something that they're not going to reach that level, but I think it's more repeatable than this week uh, would have indicated. And I will get into some specifics about that, how this was just really a bad matchup for Michigan State, and they have much better matchups moving forward. How that kind of dictated personnel formations, the type of plays they ran, and how effective they were. All that stuff I will get into tomorrow because, yeah, Arizona State, just re-watching it, really tough matchup for Michigan State, especially uh, in the run game. So there's a lot to that, and I think 
there is still some optimism to be found. I mentioned the yards per play that I went through today, which was a solid performance. You got to be able to finish drives better. But remember, Michigan State's a week off coming or coming off a week where they were perfect in the red zone. I think five or eight for eight, something like that. Six, eight, seven for seven. So, yeah, a lot of really terrible stuff here um, that happened this game. But there is still some reason that you can believe in this offense. I promise there is. I did have one more voicemail. I didn't play it. Uh, whoever sent that, thank you so much for sending it. The phone line was in and out, so it was just kind of a lower quality thing. But the, the basis of it was about the touches at running back, you know, Connor Hayward getting some touches and Connor Hayward getting some important minutes, important run in the game. Um, and yeah, I think this running back thing should be over. I think it should be Eli Collins and he should be spelled by Anthony Williams Jr. And if you want to use Ladarius Jefferson for short yard stuff, I'm good with that too because he does bring some power. Just an occasional one, you need a yard throw in Ladarius to just lower his head in there. Uh, Connor Hayward, I think, is a good football player. I think Connor Hayward can do a lot of really good things for this team, but he just hasn't ever really shown the ability to run in between the tackles well. It's just not his skill set, and that's totally fine, but it's not fine to keep putting him back out there to, to fail again because it's not fair to him. It's not fair to the team. He's got great hands. He runs good routes. He's good in the open field, especially for a big guy. He is a mismatch problem if you use him as a slot receiver, as a tight end, flex, H-back type player. There's a role for Connor Hayward on this team to be a really, really good football player. And I just don't think they're doing him any services by keeping him in the backfield when he's just, it's just not his thing. He converted there. He tried it out. He did his best. It's just not his MO. He could do so many other things to help this team. And we've seen it a teeny bit. We saw him in the slot last week. We've seen him flex out and run swings from the backfield, which is fine. They just need to do it more. They need to do it more. And I think he can be a true weapon for this team. But yeah, Eli Collins needs to get 80% of the work. Anthony Williams needs to get 15% of the work. And then 5% needs to go to you know short yardage situations or, I don't know, a, a third down little shovely type thing where Connor Hayward, you're using him creatively, not a, a tackle in between the tackles run, a different type of run where he can do something that, you know, actually highlights his skill set. Okay, that's going to do it for today's episode. Like I said, just a little bit ago tomorrow, I'm going to get into some of why Michigan State struggled specifically on offense, not any of the decision making. I'll talk a little bit about some bad play calls. Um, I will talk about some things that did go well. Uh, Michigan State had some really nice offensive moments in this game. Some things that I'd like to see moving forward. The passing game um, is starting to evolve a little bit. There's still too much of the same old stuff in terms of routes, uh, but they are starting to do a little bit more creative things. Uh, they had this like tandem quad formation that they did some cool stuff out of. That really long pass play to Matt Seibert was a great setup from earlier in the game and worked just perfectly. A beautiful design, perfect play, perfect execution. So there are some good things in the passing game that I want to talk about. So we'll get into all of that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Spartans. We'll try to slowly build the mood back up. Today was a little bit down. Try to build it up a little tomorrow, build it up more Wednesday, and then we'll hit our stride getting ready for Northwestern this weekend. So thanks so much for joining me on today's Locked on Spartans. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast if you don't subscribe already, you can find it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, join me tomorrow for another episode. We will see you then.